When I was 16, I told my mother two things. I told her, I want to be an entrepreneur and work with flip-flops and shorts, and I'll never wear a suit in my life. I went to seven schools to finish high school. I went to three universities. I was always a nomad. I just needed a tool. But nomads don't travel between places. We travel between communities. We seek community. We seek other people like us. It's less than 1% of humanity. We have always this constant flow of new people with new ideas that come from different places around the world. This is, for me, the sweet spot between everything nomads were seeking. I remember when I was in one place, you forget to grow. You get used to things, right? Because here you are always uncomfortable. Even if it is a little bit, you keep growing. And your personal growth and business growth will just explode. Is it? I even think that will be the future of humanity, living back in communities. Welcome to the Nomad Solopreneur Show, the only podcast where you learn actionable tips that you can apply right away on how to build and grow a one-person business while traveling the world. I'm your host, Gabe Marushka, and every Thursday, solopreneurs and nomads will share their inspiring stories. I will challenge them to build solutions to real-life problems that freelancers and 9-to-5ers are facing on the road to freedom. That's not all. Once a month, I welcome a special guest like executives and industry leaders to bring their wisdom and expertise to the table so you can grow your solo business fast. If you're a freelancer, aspiring nomad or solopreneur, turn up the volume because in today's episode, I have the pleasure to host Gonzalo Hall, the CEO of Nomad X, one of the biggest nomad communities in the world with physical communities in Madeira, Cabo Verde and Lisbon. He launched projects like Remote Work Movement, Future of Work Conferences, Remote Portugal and Remote Europe to help the movement grow and spread. The Digital Nomad Village is Gonzalo's most famous project being developed in Ponta do Sol, Madeira Island, where he is building a community of digital nomads focusing on positive local impact and deep human connection. Hey Gonzalo, welcome! Thank you so much, thank you so much for the invitation, good to be here. My pleasure to have you. Tell us a bit about your journey. You're both a nomad and a solopreneur and you're doing amazing things when it comes to the nomad community. I want to hear how you arrived here, where you actually started your journey. So I have three half degrees, meaning I never finished any of them. And basically, I just wanted to start working, something that really helped me in the beginning to understand myself and who I am and what I'm good at was actually Isaac. Uh, student association back in university. Probably the only good thing about university for me. And at Isaac, I discovered that I'm really good at finding business solutions and marketing. So it's casual for me to have business ideas, to find business solutions. And while others were really struggling with it, I was like, oh, this is interesting. So I ended up trying to study marketing, which didn't work. It was like Kotler 87. I was like working with digital nomadism and remote work and marketing, digital marketing. So yeah, I just start working. Meanwhile, I moved to Germany to work in sports data with big sports betting companies. And then I moved to Poland to work in a completely different sector, email marketing. Uh, so I went from job to job, but I always wanted to travel around the world. So still in Navarro, still in university, I found about digital nomadism and that kind of became my goal long term. It took me five years, but after Poland, actually, I got a remote job and back then doing sales and I accepted it. And yeah, I bought my ticket to Bali. Since then, 
Yeah, nine months later, I dropped my job. I'm not very good at jobs. I found out uh, that jobs are not my thing. I tried several of them, and usually I I give too much, give too much, but I have too many ideas that I want to implement. It looks like founders are not looking for ideas; they're looking for people to implement ideas, which is fair. Uh, so then I started my business first as a consulting for remote companies or companies that wanted to be remote. This was five years ago, four years ago. I started uh, consulting to companies that wanted to go remote pre-pandemic and started organizing conferences about remote work and yeah, started my consulting career that then led to several businesses. So now I have Remote Europe, which is a job board. I have Nomadex, which organizes uh, communities and works with governments and trips and everything in between for digital nomads. And I do several things at the same time, which is what I love. So I never get bored. So right now I'm mostly an entrepreneur. I work my VA a lot, but I don't have, uh, I have like several micro teams for each one of my businesses, but I don't, I don't hire people. Usually I hire freelancers when I need them, but usually I just work with my assistant and my micro teams. That's quite a journey. And I love the fact that you start somehow the Nomad journey in Bali, like myself, at least from what I understood, like that you bought that ticket. Yeah, it was the dream, wasn't it? Like I was (laughs) watching all these videos from Chris, the freelancer back then, and all these cool people in Bali working remotely as I wanted to work. When I was 16, I told my mother two things. I told her, I want to be an entrepreneur and work with flip-flops and shorts. And I'll never wear a suit in my life. So far, so good. But Bali was the dream, man. Just entering in dojo, entering in at outpost for the first time, driving the motorcycle, all the nice cafes. Bali was the dream, for sure. And it still is for a lot of nomads that are just starting out or aspiring nomads. Still, Bali is the dream. Is that type of place that you always come back? I've been before the pandemic there and I was like, I'm pretty sure I'll be back here at some point. And last year I was able to go back after almost three years and I'll go back again in March. It's wow. just, it's keeping you coming back. It is special, that place. Bali is special. I wouldn't go this year or I think like what happened is that when Bali opened that we have, I don't know, five times more remote workers. So everybody first time, what we lived in different times. Now everybody went to Bali exactly at the same time. So it's a little bit too chaotic for me. And I have several friends there, so many friends there. But for me, it's a little bit too chaotic. Maybe I got used to Madara and to a calmer life, more community life. So yeah, I plan to go back there probably in 2024 or 25, but already with the kids, that will be fun. Uh, how it will be to have be a parent in Bali. So that will be a completely different experience from the one we had before. Yeah, for sure. I'm really looking forward to hear from you how you manage that and how to be able to balance boats and life and how you do it now. I'm curious because you're already traveling a lot. Are you calling from Madeira? Yes, 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 yes. I came from Brazil. So I launched a new project in Brazil in Pipa, another distant nomad village. I love Brazil. Brazil is amazing. But yeah, I came back to Madeira, but actually my my doctor will be born in three months, so in around March, hopefully. And with that, we are still preparing to be honest. We have no idea. So we have no idea how it is to be a parent, how to be, it is to be a nomad parent. We were asking a lot of questions during the last Bandscon Nomad Fest. So we have, we were there with some friends like Ken from Ochar, unbelievable guy, like dad of two kids. He's doing this for like seven, eight years. It's insane. Andreas Vilgerdes, another incredible guy, German. He has like five kids and doing this for long term as well and teaching people how to do it. 
So we are having a lot of conversations on how they do it, even to learn. And that's for me the best way to learn for the people doing it, not for all the other people telling us not to do it. And the key factor is actually, it's not that hard. It doesn't change that much. If you have this lifestyle, you are already so adaptable that you are used to find a house. It just You just have to be a minimalist as a parent, which usually is quite hard when you are living in one place. Everybody buys stuff to your kids. And the struggle now is telling people, we don't want more stuff. We have enough. Uh, Our kids will have to live with little because they don't need 100 toys. They need two toy stops. And that we can buy in Bali, that we can buy in Madara. We don't need all these gifts, but people are used to it. So it's that's the biggest challenge. So uh, people around us actually understand this lifestyle and that it's not the same as the other. So they, they cannot give us big gifts and big toys because we need to travel with them and that's not okay. But in terms of traveling, it should be quite okay, honestly. It's just finding a bigger house, maybe instead of a scooter, I need to get a car. But in Madara, we already get a car, so it's the same. Uh, we don't know. We'll go and we'll find out on the way, honestly. I don't think it's that hard, especially in the first five years, six years. And then schooling is a decision you have to make. Do you want the kid to go to the traditional schooling system? We don't at all. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the traditional schooling system. Or do we want them to go or homeschooling or something alternative? Right now, the idea is homeschooling or something really good that comes with it. World schooling is a massive movement uh, of nomad families and families educating kids at home. So we really want to be part of that community, embrace them and be with them in other communities, places like Mansko, Lisbon, Algarve. We have big communities there. And for sure, we'll be meeting these other families doing this for a long time and learning from them as well, because yeah, it's very new for us as well. I love that. And for sure, I can relate with you, not on the homeschooling and being part of a community when it comes to raising your kids, because unfortunately, educational system is broken, not only in Europe, but around the world. And it's the way to go, especially as a nomad, for sure is the best way. But speaking of communities, because that's something that, at least for me, it was that big benefit that actually keep me moving. Now I'm almost celebrating four years of nomading, and without that, I won't be doing it. How is for you, especially for someone that is building community? Well, I think it's exactly what you said. People with nomads don't travel between places. We travel between communities. Uh, most most people outside this movement don't understand it, and they confuse this with traveling. Well, while traveling, yes, you want to be out of the beaten path and go to the desert and go to the moon. As nomads, we usually travel alone or with our partner. We seek community. We seek other people like us. And it's less than 1% of humanity, much less. So it's actually quite hard if you are in the place without a community, to live as a nomad, to make friendships because people know that you are leaving. You are seen as a tourist, which, to be honest, you kind of are. So for me, the whole secret of being happy as a nomad, and the reason I do it, it's not actually to travel. I can travel anywhere I want for one week, but that will not give me the local integration. That will not give me the community, the community feeling I want, I'm seeking. So... For me to be a nomad is traveling within communities. That's why we went to Bali and didn't went to any other island in Indonesia. That's why we go to Chiang Mai. That's why we come to Madara now. And community, the community feeling, at least for me, I grew up in a city. I grew up in Lisbon. Uh, the community feeling is something that I didn't have when I grew up in Lisbon. Um, you are surrounded by people in buildings and you actually don't know your neighbors. And now I'm staying at least six months per year 
in Ponta do Sol, where we built the Digital Nomad Village with Digital Nomad Madeira, is actually incredible. And I feel so happy just walking around and knowing the people, knowing the, the girls from the cafe. They know exactly what I want every day. They know that I want chocolate mousse. They know what I like to drink, how I like to drink. And just walking around the village and knowing people. And at the same time that I know the locals, we have always this constant flow of new people with new ideas that come from different places around the world. This is, for me, the sweet spot between everything nomads were seeking. That's why we built it, right? It's both having locals and getting to know the locals. The locals are open. The locals are curious. At the same time, you have a constant flow of new people with new ideas, with new experiences that want to share them with the community, that want to have local impact. So, yeah, we kind of now dedicated a lot of time to build new communities around the world. So we have, of course, Madeira with now four communities here. We have Ponte do Sol, we have Jardim do Mar, recently opened Funchal, Mexico, and also Porto Santos. But now we also work with Cape Verde in Africa, in São Vicente. We are kind of expanding and see how we can do it better. And then we just opened in Brazil. Brazil is like paradise, and I think it's undervalued for what it is. In my opinion, Brazil has the potential to be better than Bali. Think about it. I said it. It's public. And yeah, like just seeking for these out of the beaten path places that can, where we can build great communities that are not big cities. I'm not a fan of big cities. I'm not a fan of a smaller place, a village, as we can build a very strong and tight community. And I believe that to be the future of uh, digital nomadism. I even think that will be kind of the future of humanity, living back in communities. Like, you don't need to be a digital nomad. You can be a remote worker and understanding that you are, I don't know, in New York and you don't know many people around you and you may want just to move to a smaller place where you get to know your neighbors and you live in communities. So I think we will really seek community feeling and we can see it online. The whole Web3 movement is built on communities. There is just so many communities growing left and right, nomad communities, web three communities, everything is a community that I think finally we understand the uh, importance of community. And this nomads are not exception. We are actually, as always, leading kind of this movement towards a more communal living. That's amazing. It's so underestimated the power of community, not only from a digital nomad perspective or from the local impact. Also, look what happened during the pandemic when we were locked down and we weren't able to communicate with others face-to-face -face and like gathering, having events and so on. The number of mental health issues, cases increased exponentially, not because of the COVID itself, but because of everything that happened with this isolation. And yeah, it's possible, but it's harder to build those type of communities inside bigger cities. For example, I've been in Bangkok before coming to Da Nang in Vietnam, and that city is huge. If you want to meet someone, you have to drive one hour. It's just insane. So you cannot do that. Yeah. But the way you do it, guys, it's simply amazing. Choosing a village. You are right, man. I think in cities, I think cities will have communities in the future. They just need to be built inside co-living spaces in neighborhoods, you know? So I think all these empty offices that we have now that will never be used again, don't fool yourself. People are not going back to the offices. I think they will be transforming housing. And a lot of them, instead of F hotels, uh, we will build community spaces. I imagine having a co-living space for 20 people, 30 people, and that will be kind of a community hub inside the craziness of the city. So we'll still have access to the city, but you need to build micro-communities inside the cities, in neighborhoods, that co-living spaces will be a key part of, and even the neighborhood co-working spaces, for example. 
So I think it will be possible to build in cities, but cities will have to change massively or they will die. Exactly. And totally agree with you because otherwise I don't see any other way to gather people together apart from that. And speaking of getting people together, and uh, apart from having that support of a community, what other benefits do you see when it comes to living this lifestyle? A lot about learning as well. And in the first year we did this, it was like in Asia, mostly Bali, Thailand, Malaysia, etc. My personal growth, like the things I learned with others, 10x easily. So... Instead of having vain discussions about football, which we Portuguese love to, we were having discussions about global taxation for companies and global strategies. We were having conversations about how to grow YouTube to 1 million people in less than six months. And this is the normal dinner conversation. And just having constantly these incredible conversations with very smart people really helped me grow a lot as a person that led me to leave my job and become an entrepreneur. So for me, it's a lot about personal growth as well. And yes, I love to live in different places. I love to live with beach shirts and flip-flops every day. So it really helps that I can avoid winter and I can choose even where I want to live for learning a skill. Like in Brazil, it was a lot about surfing, longboards, and it was great. Uh, Bali, for me, it was a lot about CrossFit. They have CrossFit Wanderlust, one of the best CrossFit gyms in the world. So I was going there every day. And Thailand was all about beach volleyball. Beach, I was playing beach volleyball every single day in Koh Samui. And in every different place, we try to also integrate our stay with learning a skill or with practice something. And we love CrossFit. We love uh, beach volleyball. That's our go-to sport to our professional players. And if we have one of these two, it's great. If not, we'll just learn a new skill. Last time in Las Palmas, we were learning beach tennis. That was quite cool. Uh, we're just playing beach tennis like two, three times a week uh, with locals, with other expats, etc. So just connecting this experience of living anywhere and moving around with learning from different people and doing sports and learning new skills, you are in constant growth. That's incredible. Like, I remember when I was in one place, you forget to grow. You get used to things, right? Because here you are always uncomfortable. Even if it is a little bit, you keep growing. And your personal growth, it's just, yeah, 10x. At least for me, at least if you live in a community and if you connect with people and you're curious, your personal growth and business growth will just explode easy. True, because only from that connection, without having this interesting discussion, without having this out of your comfort zone experiences, as you mentioned, it's hard to grow. And I start this podcast, basically having a discussion and being invited after that to uh, Instagram Live inspired me to start this podcast. So that probably wouldn't happen if I wasn't part of the Chiang Mai community, which is huge when it comes to the nomads world. What would be your advice for someone that's just starting this life easily without being overwhelmed, like planning their work, uh, staying healthy, working out, eating, and so on. I think the first thing is first choose a community. Like check which one is the community you want to go. It may be Bali, it may be Madeira, but choose a community. I don't choose a massive place like a city because, for example, Lisbon has a big community, but it's not that tight as you would imagine as it's normal in big cities. So the first thing is choosing the community, a community where you see it's dynamic, where you can learn from others. And again, Bali, Shankmai, and Madara for me, are top of mind in very tight communities. Also, Bansko is doing a great job, actually, in Bulgaria. The second part would be 
find a sport that you really like to do. And every time you move to a new place, look for that sport. So imagine you decide to play tennis for the rest of your life. I traveled my tennis racket, actually. And everywhere you go, there is a tennis community. There, there is. There are people play tennis everywhere. This is actually a great way with, to connect with locals, to connect with nomads, to connect with expats, finding people that do your sports. We do this usually with CrossFit and with beach volleyball because it's what we do well. But you can do this with anything. Choose a sport. It keeps you healthy and do the sport everywhere you go. And then you start to go to places where people are, what your community of your sport is as well, which is quite cool. The third one is go to a co-working space. I know people used to work from home, but especially when you are a nomad, it can be very tricky, especially if you live in nice houses with pool, which we sometimes do. It's very hard sometimes to get to work. So having the separation, at least as, as an ex, as an, I'm an extrovert, having this separation between home space and workspace really helps me. And I always find out that the smartest people that I meet are usually around co-working spaces. So that even if uh, not everybody is there, and I'll say like 20% of nomads actually use co-working spaces, you get to know a lot more people and a lot of very interesting people, usually extroverts, that prefer to go to co-working spaces. And it's also a great way to start. When we went to Bali first time learning this lifestyle, we went straight to Outpost, one of the co-working spaces in Chengdu. And it was through Outpost that we learned and that we met people and that we went to events, go to co-working spaces with events. This is very important. And yeah, just be open. I think we really embrace that idea of work hard, play hard, at least in these kind of communities like Bali and Madara. So you see people right now at the co-working space and have free co-working space in Ponte do Sol. Uh, they are really working hard right now. But for example, at Wednesdays, we have a community lunch where everybody stops work and for one hour, everybody comes to the community lunch and connect with each other. At five, we have an event, a workshop about uh, how to create your own personal, personal productivity system. That's cool. So at five, everybody stops working and we go to learn and then we go for beers and sunsets. That's how basically we met. Uh, so it's all these little things that balance work, health and community the happy spots and balancing all of them is of course an art and some places have more community than others and want to travel to other places but at least having one sport that you like to do having a co-working space these are really good green flags and then of course and move and go to events at least the first week i go to all the events i can to build my social base to then meet other people sure that's the best way to do it otherwise you just end up being isolated it's happened to us we've been to penang and community there is almost zero and we also choose a place that was having everything like from gym pool tennis court and we weren't exiting that place we were far away from the city it took almost an hour so yeah being around communities can be a huge and especially for those that are starting and not only like moving from place to place and connecting with people making friends and having interesting conversation and you know coming up with amazing business ideas and speaking of business ideas, how did you end up with the idea of building a nomad village? It was not a business idea, actually. So there is this thing in Europe called Atlas, and they organize several projects of 10 days. And my third project was called Intra-Rural Ship. So how to be an entrepreneur in rural areas. And the project I built there, which was in my, the back of my mind for a while, I just used this program to actually sit for 10 days and write it down and structure it, was how can we use remote work for repopulation? 
And I, I learned from different people and I took everything I learned from Bali, from Bansko, Matias, from Sendek, a living space in the, in the rural area of Spain in Galicia. And I put it all together in one project, basically. So the whole idea was to build a community in the mountains, in the villages of Italy, in a small village called Pernabili. And with remote work and community and building it, um, use it for repopulation. So people want to move to communities, not exactly to places. So if you have a sp- small place with five cafes that you can build a community, that's, that's where we go. And yeah, the whole idea was to use this remote work for repopulation. And then I came to Madeira, like the project was not implemented in Italy, as I expected. And then I just left it on my Evernote. And once I came to Madeira, like, Two years later, mid-COVID, so 2020, two or three years later. And but that is incredible. You know this. You were here before the, the whole community started. But we saw how crazy beautiful this place is and how many nice villages it has. And we came here to organize a conference, an online conference invited by the government, so by Startup Madara. And we, basically, we told the Secretary of Economy, dude, this place is incredible. This is unbelievable. Why the hell there are so many people staying right now in the Canary Islands, but you guys have nobody? You miss this, you miss the community, you miss, this can really help you, especially during the pandemic. Even like these are people that work online. This is a new kind of tourism. You should really implement it. So basically we just adjusted this project we built for Italy to be first, first for the nomad community and second to use it in different villages of Madeira. But the whole genesis comes from the inspiration from Bali, of Bansko, of uh, Grow Remote from uh, from Ireland. They're doing an incredible job of repopulation in, in, in Ireland and just gather all these ideas to create something new, which is this basically what entrepreneurs do, right? We, not, we don't always create new things. We just connect all the dots of different things we love and we build something new with our vision. That's exactly what we did with the Nomad Village concept. And now we are spreading basically the same concept, the same structure, the same ideas. But oh, we need always to adjust to the local market. So Cape Verde is very different from Brazil. That's very, very different from Madeira. So it's just uh, with the base of our project, with community-centric approach, we just really, really want to build a global network of villages and communities where we can travel in between. So that's the end goal. It will take like five, ten years maybe. Or maybe the rest of my life. That's quite cool. That's a lifetime goal for sure. And love it. Love it the way you approach it. And indeed, we don't have to come with that new like groundbreaking idea we just need to put the puzzle together to learn from our experience and build something that's amazing and i know there are we already talk about a lot of good things about this lifestyle but i want always to show the both side of the story because being a digital nomad sometimes we enter into these dark worlds of uh, having challenges that we have to face what was your biggest challenge when it comes to digital nomading i was born for this so i'm not a good case of uh, challenges i was born for this life honestly i went to seven schools to finish high school i went to three universities i was always a nomad i just needed a tool to move between places uh so for me i didn't have many struggles because this is my perfect life honestly this is the thing i was seeking and since I was born, I just didn't know that existed, actually. So that's really cool. I don't have to find a new job every year to go to a new place. So that's the best thing. Usually, people have some struggles. But I will not speak about me because, personally, I was very lucky. 
Uh, but for example, loneliness, it's very hard for a lot of people. You travel alone most of the time. You live all alone most of the time. That's why co-working and co-living is key for this community. And tired of getting visas. And imagine you go to Bali, you have to take care of visas. You go to Thailand, you have to take care of visas. If you're not European, you come to Europe, you have to take care of visas. It's a lot of paperwork usually. Even in the, at other people that are love more stability, I don't. Sure. Like, uh, restarting. So basically, you restart a new life with a new social structure, with a new house, with a new place to work, with a new gym, with a new place to shopping every couple of months. So you arrive to Dana and you have to find out where do you go to shopping? Where are the good restaurants? And if you don't have a community, this takes a while. With the community, it's a little bit faster. Uh, it's kind of one of the tricks to use to enter faster in the place. But starting every two, three months gets you really tired and you get frustrated because when you are getting used to a place, you get you know where the correct cafe is, you know where the good co-working space, you start to make friendships, it's time to move to the next place. Not everyone is ready to do this every two, three months. Not everybody is ready to leave the friendship behind and keep moving to another place. For example, we were in Las Palmas for five months and I was playing beach volleyball every day. I had a great life. I was doing CrossFit. And I had to leave because I wanted to come to Madeira, but I had to leave great friends I made, especially locals. I had to leave a life that I could be there forever. I was so comfortable there, but man, I, I want to know Madeira. So we came to Madeira and we have to restart from scratch again. I'm okay with that. I love that. That's how I get energy. But for most people, this can be very, very hard. And love that you brought that up because indeed this lifestyle is definitely not for everyone. And it's like any new thing, it's a learning curve. I want to switch a bit of discussion on the business side of things because I think our listener can learn a lot from you. And especially when it comes to building communities, a lot of those that I met, they're building communities and especially online communities. Do you have any other advice from them? And actually we have a tradition in this show that every guest goes through a challenge that they don't know beforehand. And this will be your challenge. It will be your challenge to put in the hands of someone that doesn't have a huge following. It's maybe an expert in his field and looking to take the leap to actually build a one-person business that is powered by a community. What would be your advice to them, the steps they need to take in order to achieve that? I really think that you need to serve your community. So how I'm building mine is first creating content, a lot of content about how I think, how I think about this nomadism, how I think about remote work. And I have strong ideas and they are not for everybody. So very important for me is also this community is for you, but also people that say this community is not for me. I disagree with Gonzalo and I'm very, I'm very happy for people to disagree with me or else this would be very boring. So. Know who you want in your community. Is it a community to follow you and your ideas? Is it a community that has is behind the Web3 project? Why that community exists? For me, creating content is essential to share my ideas, to share the vision of the world, to educate more people, and to have more followers, people that think like me or that are inspired by me to actually follow the same ideas and even share the same ideas. The second part for me is serving the community issue, even before business. I created this community before it was a business and I would manage communities even if it was not a business. I did the same with volleyball back in the days. So even before you built a business around it, serve the community, connect people. And just afterwards, the community will ask you to create things for them. This is how it works. So right now I have my community asking me 
Gonzalo, we would love to go to Brazil. Can you build a community in Brazil? I was like, hell yes, I'll find you a place in Brazil. I'll create this for you in Brazil. So my vision is you need to build a community. You need to serve the community. And only then you can even ask the community, what do you want and create for them? So Nomadex is kind of, besides the community, it's kind of becoming a lot of things at the same time. We are, yes, working with governments, working as a, with an, like a marketing agency with governments, creating communities and digital nomads, more programs everywhere. At the same time, this year, we're organizing a big conference in Portugal in October. At the same time, people ask us, we should create a, there, back in the days, there was the NX, one of the first nomad conferences in the world. The guys are the OGs. They kind of finished the conferences. So we need to replace them. So we want to organize this kind of festival of one week in Portugal to connect the people. People asked for me for this. I don't necessarily want to organize a conference for 500 people, but we feel that it's needed. People asked me to organize like um, pop-up co-living spaces and we built it for them and they are happy to pay because they were the ones asking for it. So we are creating pop-up experiences in several places this year. So I think once you build a community, you understand what are the needs, what are the pains. Don't be one of those guys, please, that goes and would create a survey to find the nomad pains or to find the remote worker pains. That shit sucks. It's just so boring. No, that's not how you find the pains. How you find the pains is create a community. One great group, one great book, actually, that I read that really inspired me was Tribes by Seth Godin. Uh, Seth Godin is like a master guru of digital marketing and many things. His podcast, Akimbo, is amazing. And he wrote this book called Tribes, where he's... What he writes is that we all belong to tribes. And instead of just belonging, we should actually try and lead our tribe. And this was my inspiration. I was playing volleyball back then, and I decided to create my tribe. Actually, literally called the Volleyball Tribe, uh, Tribu do Volley in Portuguese. So we started to create tournaments because people wanted more tournaments. Once we created a tribe, once we created a community, people asked us to do things. And we create them, and they are happy to pay for it. And that's how we make money. So... People that are creating communities just to monetize them, I think it really sucks. I think, yes, you should create a community and then you should serve the community. And serving the community is actually how you monetize in the long term. And if you have a strong community, like Kevin Kelly wrote, 1,000 true fans, you can become a millionaire with 1,000 people only. So you just need a community of 1,000 people helping to pay you every year a couple of dollars and you'll be very good in life forever. So serve your community, create for your community, and above all, community first, always. It's not about making money from them, it's about serving them. And this is a big mental shift that you need to do if you are thinking about creating a successful community. There's another book really good that also has this mentality, but it's more if you want to sell and people want to sell, of course. It's from Gary Vee called Jab, 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 Right Hook, which goes for kind of the language in boxing. And it's basically give, give, give. Then the right hook is now, uh, I need you to do this. So give, give, give. But when, it, when it's time to ask, people will be ready because you are building for them. And, but first, the first part is always give before asking. Even when you enter a community, you shouldn't enter the community and go and create a paid event for everybody. No, you should give your time for free. You should create one mastermind. You should create something for the community you just entered. And then if you need something in the future, people will happily give it back to you. And that's why I love about digital nomad communities, because there are always free events from experts in different fields that are sharing their expertise, as you mentioned, for free. And of course, you will hire that person if you need that service, because we always buy execution. We don't buy the information. We buy the execution. And after you build this community and you 
actually create a product that serves them based on their needs and so on. What would be your next steps when it comes to actually being a healthy community? I think for me, it was very important to create strong rules. And the strong rules were even against the people, honestly. So some of the rules we have in our community, especially on Slack, which I think has now like 5,000 people on Slack, uh, we created very strong rules. For example, nobody's allowed to speak about politics on Slack. If you want to speak about politics, create an event, go speak it offline. But we don't allow political, political anything in on Slack. We don't allow religion on Slack. Like if you want to create an event, it's okay. We don't allow these discussions on Slack because these are divisive and that's not what we want. Some people really disagree. And of course, we created this in the peak of COVID. This is so important to understand why we did this. But I really think like some of these rules are really helping keeping the community clean, making sure that people have a great experience. We don't allow people to sell all the time on our Slack community. If you never gave anything to the community and you post paid anything uh, because you are a coach, we will really delete your post, send you a message saying, first, you have to give to the community before you are asking. And if you do it again, we'll just delete you from Slack. Uh, We don't mess around on that. So having these clear, strong rules that are built to protect the community really helped everybody to have a great experience. And when people have a great experience, they share the experience, the mouth to mouth, the word of mouth marketing is how we grow Madeira. Actually, yes, I speak on podcasts. Yes, I'm a little bit everywhere. But honestly, most people came because a friend of them came. Even in the beginning, we had like 20 people in February when it launched. The second month, we had like 50. By by April, by the end of April, we had 1,000. Because people were sharing everywhere. And if you create a good experience, people share. And that's what we are seeking. We are not scaling our promotion. We are literally scaling the amount of people we can give a great experience so they can share with everybody. And they share with mobile devices. They share with articles they share just by talking with their friends, but they keep sharing. Then they move to Bali and they'll speak about the great experience they had in Madara. Then they go to Las Palmas and they speak about the great experience you had in Madara. We put the bar so high in terms of community that it's almost impossible for people to have a bad experience in Ponta do Sol, for example, because there are events every day, because there's a free co-working space, because if you need anything, we had a girl that in mid-pandemic went to the hospital Nobody could enter the hospital during COVID. We found a way to speak with her doctor and to actually reach her on the phone. She lost her phone as well. So we were able to call her and speak with her. That's how deep and how much we want to serve our community. And this is how deep in the, gov- the government is involved on serving the community. And so because we provide this great experience that you can provide too, just go over the board. If you promise 10, offer 15, then people just speak about it. And yeah, just create something worth sharing, like self guiding says all the time. And people should share it and be happy to. And there is so much power in the word of mouth. And it doesn't matter if you sell services, if you build communities, whatever you do, the word of mouth is super, super powerful. And yeah, same for me. Like I not only praise my data wherever I go, because I had such a great experience there, but funny thing, one of our friends gave birth in Madeira, thanks to us. They literally moved there because we convinced them that it's so amazing and they fell in love and now they have a place there. So That's really cool. We are really repopulating yeah, yeah. Madeira, like you said. I'm running my own market. Many people are buying houses and staying in Madeira forever. So yeah, I, I think I'm kind of killing the nomad market here. I'm curious as well because it's one of the places that we want to settle down at some point. And I'm really thinking maybe it's a good idea to invest now in something before the prices sky high. And speaking of prices, do you think this is like a disadvantage of uh, 
nomad communities when it comes to the local prices. You see that That's part. BS. There's a lot of conversation in Portugal that digital nomads raise the property prices. That is really incorrect. So if you go to see the, the numbers, nomads are less than 0.1% of all tourists in Portugal. 0.1% less. And we are counting high. We are adding, like we are adding all the numbers from nomad list and putting 50% above that. A nomad list usually already has some pump in the numbers. Even then we are 0.1%. Having the idea, first, that all the nomads want to buy a house in Portugal, that's not true. Second, that the nomads, this 0.1%, has the power and the numbers to actually raise the property prices. It's just insane. That's not how things work. Yes, property prices are going up, but usually it's mostly because there is a lot of money in the market, because the rates were so low that everybody could have money and buy houses everywhere. And of course, if you are buying a new house, if you work remotely, you choose to buy it in warm places like Portugal, Spain, Italy, Greece, etc. But if you see the place with the highest increase of property price was actually Estonia. Estonia is not a big hub for nomads, neither Lithuania, which is the number two, I think. So it's not a disadvantage. I think we just need to be very smart with the timings. You know, we lived through 2008. We know that after a big bubble comes about the burst of the bubble. And honestly, I think we are in the peak of the bubble. Yeah. It's not bursting, but it's definitely deflating and slowly coming down. We see the numbers going lower in Madeira slowly. And we, I really think that next year will be, by the end of the year, will be a good time to start looking for a property in Madeira. We only rent for now in Madeira, but we really think that prices will decrease as we will have less money in the market, basically, because banks want their money back. So, yeah, I don't think it's an advantage at all. I think we just need to understand the markets and the cycles. And once you understand the cycles, you're not in a hurry. You are a little bit smarter with your money and when you buy a house and where you buy a house. And if you believe in the place, I really believe in Madeira. Definitely you can see it as an investment, especially in the west side where we are. Ponta do Sol, Calheta, Ribeira Brava are actually, in my opinion, great places to buy because they are still a little bit undervalued or the good prices are undervalued, but there's still some crazy stuff happening. True. Love that thinking. And before wrapping up, I would love to ask you where people can find you apart from the quirky space in Madeira. Uh, this year we have to stay in Madeira because of the burn of our daughter. But people can find me, of course. Where I post the most is LinkedIn, is where I share my ideas, where I share with my tribe. And at Nomadex. So if you do nomadx.com, we also have a community, a free community on Discord if you want to join and meet new people. Uh, you can always come and say hi. But LinkedIn is by far the best place to follow my ideas. And Nomadex, everything there is mine. And it's where I talk about this nomadism, where I create events for people, where I create experiences and try to serve the people, serve our tribe. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And yeah, definitely agree because I follow you and your content is top notch. And Thank I you. recommend everyone to follow you. And to wrap things up, we have to come up with a challenge for our listeners that this time you'll create. And to stay on the topic, I would love you to come with a challenge around building your community. They'll have to make it in maximum one day, but to have quite a big impact when it comes to starting that community moving forward. I think you should go to YouTube and look for Seth Godin. I'm doing it right now with you. Seth Godin and tribes. And you'll find the tribes will lead, which is a video at TEDx from Seth Godin. So this has minutes. First, watch that video. Second, think about which tribes do you belong to? Maybe it's CrossFit, maybe it's yoga, whatever it is. 
you always belong to a tribe. Which tribe would you like to lead? So just create something very simple. Maybe it's a Facebook group, but start creating your tribe. Create a piece of content, very simple, on why you are creating this tribe. And maybe it's a yoga group for Madeira, but just do it. Create a group, invite your 20 best friends and see what happens. Love it. This is short, actionable, and it can actually be done in one hour. Let us know how it goes. Thank you so much, Gonzalo. And thanks everyone for listening. I hope you enjoy listening to this episode as much as we enjoy recording it. If you find it useful, make sure to share it with your peers and subscribe to your favorite podcast station to not miss when we drop the next episode. We have lots of exciting guests and a surprise for your coming up. This is your host, Guillermo Arushka with the Nomad Solopreneur Show. Until next week, Pura Vida!